0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. Today I'm joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. Danny Ainge made his weekly appearance on 98.5, a sports hub with Toucher & Rich, what did you guys think of what he had to say and, and just kind of where he sees the state of the Celtics right now?
0: I mean, he's said like a lot that this team doesn't have the characteristics of a good team. Like he's clearly not sold on the roster. So I think he reiterated that, which stuck out. He also praised Robert Williams quite a bit, which he's also done in the past. So I think a lot of it was just like a re-emphasis of things we've heard from Danny over the last couple of weeks, but nothing like groundbreaking. That being said, he's clearly not sold on this roster as he shouldn't be. I think the quote about them not having the characteristics of a good team and them struggling with consistency and closing out games, I think that was the most noteworthy soundbite to me.
2: Definitely. I wrote down like three quotes. That was one of them. And then, and then when he was talking about their four-game win streak ahead of the All-Star game, he was like, those weren't great wins. We didn't play great. Which fair, like I agree, but it's like he has opportunities here to twist things to a little bit more of an optimistic tone. Like he could say, yeah, like we're having trouble closing out games, but I think we're still a good team. Or "I, I think we just need a little bit more time together or like something like I think we have the right attitude. Like he could throw in just generic praise. He could easily say, I feel like the results don't necessarily reflect what we have. And he just isn't interested in making that point like at all.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Some of the stuff he said was pretty pointed. Like he he's, he kind of mentioned that they have no resolve. I thought, Granham, what you mentioned, that was one of the big things that stood out to me too, was that this team has good players, but I think the exact, what was something along the lines of this team has good players, but they're missing what makes a team good. I mean, you're not going to hear something. I, I feel like that pointed all the time from mm-hmm. NBA decision makers saying like, like basically like I mean these guys just kind of don't have it like yeah like you guys are talented but like this year they just don't have it and I'm not sure necessarily who that's directed at like I don't think he was saying that at Tatum and Jalen we've talked about it before I don't know what more those guys could reasonably be expected to do this season to make this team good but the Celtics are just truly like like even beyond the fourth quarter struggles, the Celtics have been like one of the worst teams in the league in crunch time. So that they're just not closing anybody out. And I really thought last night's game was a good example of this against the Cavaliers where the Celtics rallied they had a real chance to take a lead or, or just to, you know, to tie the game. And then obviously they have better players than the Cavaliers. Like, you know, Jalen and Jason are better than anybody on the Cavaliers and they just didn't, you know, they, they couldn't close it out. They got themselves to within three and they couldn't close it out. And sure. Some of that is tired legs and everything, but at the same time, I feel like it's kind of, you know, indicative of what this team has been all year. It's just a team that doesn't close anybody out that, that can't get it done down the stretch. And that it sounded like that's something that Danny has really noted and is, probably getting kind of fed up with
0: yeah I think it's impossible not to get fed up with that lack of resolve because I think that's what that comes back to right like I don't agree with a lot of what Kendrick Perkins says on NBC Sports Boston but I had the post game on last night he said something that I thought was pretty spot on he he said this team it almost feels like they have a sense of entitlement and it's like they especially with a team like the Cavaliers who they're clearly more talented than it's like they come in and they expect the team to just kind of lay down And it's even like that at the end of games where even though they've been with the Cavaliers for three quarters and it's clear that this is going to be a close game, it's like still, even at that point, they don't need to put the work in to beat the Cavaliers. And it's like they just kind of lay flat. It's really, it's extremely, I don't know, it's ugly. It's not a great trend.
2: It's weird because we're having the same conversations about this team that we had about the 2018-19 season, but this team is so much worse. So it's even yeah. like more of an indictment on how bad their effort is because the 2018-19 season, the players, I guess, had reason to have a sense of entitlement, especially with all like preseason sure. coverage that they got. This year though, like you would think that they would embody a typical Celtics team.
1: Okay. So here's my question about that though, is do you guys think it's entitlement or do you just think they're not that good? I kind of think it's the latter. And I know they have two stars on the team, but I I, like, when I look at this team, I don't necessarily see a bunch of guys who are just kind of being lazy and stuff like that. I more see just uh, like, they look mechanical. Like the the pieces don't look like they really fit together every time up. It's they're hunting mismatches and you know, they're trying to go one-on-one and like they have good one-on-one players, but I don't necessarily think that it's, it's that they're not trying. It's just like, Nothing seems to fit together. And, and when you talk about an identity, like the 20 okay, so for example, the 2016-17 Celtics, their identity was Isaiah Thomas and a bunch of tough dudes. They they would scrap, they would, and then down the stretch, they would just give the ball to IT and let him do his thing. But like this team doesn't have any of that. Like they don't have an identity. And I don't know that, that that's necessarily, I don't know who that's an indictment of. It, it just feels like, it doesn't feel like to me that they're not trying. It just kind of feels like they're not that good and they don't know who they are.
2: They just lost to the Cavaliers and they were down by four in the, like at the end of the fourth quarter. Like once you get to that point, like I know we're sort of talking like abstracts right now, but like, if you have a strong identity, like if you have an actual like desire to win that game as the Celtics, they should have been able to win. Like I know Kemba was out because of the second night of a back-to-back, but like, I think the reason why the identity thing I buy into a little bit more is because of how poorly they're performing against the bad teams.
1: No, and I agree 100%. And that's why I think it's less about the effort and like the entitlement as much as it, it is the identity thing. Because if you look at the Cavaliers, they do have an identity. They give the ball to Colin Sexton or Darius Garland. They are a young team that's just like, you know, we're going to come out and throw some haymakers and hopefully something lands. And then when it lands against the Celtics, the Celtics don't have sort of the identity to collect themselves and be like, okay, it's the Cavaliers. We can beat this team.
0: I think the two are, are tied together because I watched that game last night and the Celtics are not a good team. Like they're sure in the grand scheme of things, they're a fine team, but from the Celtics like standpoint and what the Celtics and Celtics fans come to expect, they're not that good. Right. And I think that, creates a, I think entitlement is a little bit of a harsh term. I would more so go like unmotivated. I can't watch that game last night and look at the way Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going through certain stretches and say, those guys are motivated every possession. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that they probably realize, hey, we're not that good. We need some help here and we're not that good. So I think it's completely one might be a result of the other. And I think last night was kind of a prime example of that.
2: I feel like Brad would actually benefit from naming a captain. And I I know that's maybe kind of a stupid concept to some. Like, obviously, if he had named a captain, it wouldn't solve all of their issues by any means. Like, the roster construction is the main thing. But from that identity standpoint, and Marcus Smart is the de facto captain here, I just do think they would benefit with how young this team is I just do think this team from like a structural standpoint among the players would benefit from having someone whose like literal job is to just like keep people accountable, to check in with people, to like build that team spirit or whatever, because like, they just don't have, there's no collective sense in my opinion, especially with chemists in games and stuff like that. It's really the Jays, smart, and then the bench. Like they just, I don't see, there's no cohesion, you know? Celtics
0: yeah. signed Jason Veritek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I I can see that argument
1: sort of from a structural perspective in that if the Celtics were had somebody who was a captain whose job the whole season was to sort of build that like, you know, so you start from square one, and then you build it up. I mean, I think the argument against that is that like the guy the Celtics would name as a captain presumably is Marcus Smart. Smart was the guy who pulled them all aside last night and yelled at everyone. Everybody came out of the huddle, you know, high-fived each other. Smart was walking around like, all right, guys, let's get it. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's knocking Jason Tatum on the chest. He's high-fiving Rob Williams. And then nothing happens. They're like still <laughs> just down 20 for like the next like five minutes. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, <"You> did it. <laughs> you no,
2: know, that's fair. And I, I guess I do wonder what the impact would be like, if this was just like a policy Brad had instituted or had implemented a while ago, just if because it was of-
1: something that he had built to this point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey, everything's wrong. Marcus, can you fix this for me real quick? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like that obviously isn't going to work. But like this team is so young or maybe even like we saw how an all star nod affected Jason Tatum. Like maybe if Brad named him a captain, he would then step up to the plate there and be like, no, this is my job. Like I'm a captain. Like I need to do X, Y and Z. He talked
0: about that last night a little bit too, about like being a better leader, like being a little more vocal and leading by example more. But even then, like Tom, you mentioned after Smart gave his like let's go speech last night and they still kind of came out flat. Like in my opinion, all this stuff just comes back to the, it's a bad roster construction. And this team is kind of, they're not set up to succeed right now. And they're not going to as the roster stands right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it,
0: It's a, it's a dark way to look at it, but I just every time I come up with some form of solution in my head that's not going out and trading for someone or punting or whatever, it comes back to like this team isn't set up to compete with anyone at the top of the Eastern Conference right
1: now. And we'll get into some of that stuff, like the buyers and sellers stuff later. Like just kind of moving through some of the rest of Danny Age's comments, he was extremely complimentary of Rob Williams. He talked about how Rob has made a strong impression uh, and how Rob, the way he's playing, he's trying to get everyone inspired. That's been something that's come up a bunch around this team recently is how Rob is playing so hard in part because he's trying to inspire everyone else. That's a really good sign for Rob Williams. And I thought the other thing that he said that was really interesting, he's very excited about Rob's conditioning. He talked about how Rob plays really hard and he's like, anybody can go out and play 20 minutes in an NBA game. Playing as hard as Rob plays is hard. That's not an easy thing to do. And I think that's definitely something that that works in Rob's favor. So yeah, I, I think Rob is is making a lot of good impressions right now. And, and, and that's that's pretty cool to see going forward.
0: I think so too. I think it's nice to hear like the vote of confidence. But another thing that stuck out to me was when he was talking about Rob's minutes. Obviously, he played like a career high. I think it was a career high last night. At least that's what Ain said. Yeah. So that's a positive, but there's a lot of Celtics fans complaining about like, why isn't Robert Williams playing more? And Ainge echoed what Brad Stevens has been saying. Like they're trying to build his minutes up like again. And I do think that makes a lot of sense because like he's been a pretty fragile player in his career. So like, I I'm on board with that. I don't think that's a bad move. And I think Ainge sounded like he was fully behind that as
1: well. Interestingly. And this is shout out to touch for for kind of pushing this because it's not something that I would have thought to push. They kind of pushed Danny on, on Kemba and mm. asking him like, okay, at what point do you sort of override the training staff and just go for it? And, they, you know, they didn't push him on that on Rob, but I thought that was kind of an interesting thing because Danny said, you know, that's kind of a fair question. I don't think we've gotten to that point with Kemba where we need to override the medical staff, but he didn't just kind of like poo-poo that idea. He, he kind of bought in on that a little bit and said, yeah, maybe at some point we might have to do that. You know, I, I thought that was a noteworthy kind of uh, aspect of this and, and it might be interesting to consider that in terms of Rob Williams as well.
2: That was one of the other quotes that I wrote down. And I don't like that idea at all uh, in overriding the medical staff, especially when dealing with Kemba Walker and Robert Williams, both of which that have had like health history. And like, it's a good point. I wonder,
0: I wonder how much they pushed the medical staff on push on like returning him in the bubble. Like, I wonder how, what the relationship was like there. And I wonder if that could give them hesitancy moving forward. Granted, we know nothing about the behind-the-scenes stuff, but it was clear they brought him back too early in the bubble. So I wonder where that push came from.
1: Well, and I think the other thing with Rob and the other reason to put him kind of on, on the shelf a little bit is just because his problem is a hip injury, and the Celtics Celtics know how bad a hip injury can be yeah. <laughs> for one of your uh, main players. So, so that is a really good point, Nicole.
2: Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were considering it behind the scenes, but I was shocked that he acknowledged it on the radio. Like, yeah, you know, there is a time sometimes where you do have to like, just go against what the medical staff says you shouldn't do. And it's like,
1: I'm not a doctor, but I am playing one right now. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) he definitely wouldn't have brought it up if he wasn't considering it. Like that's definitely in, in between his ears for sure.
1: And I think especially though, like Nicole, to your point, again, we're talking about a knee for a 30 year old and a hip for a young guy. Like those are those are things to be very, very wary of. So I think I think that's that's a good point and definitely a good perspective on that one. Um, one way or the other, Rob is making a huge impression on everyone and shout out to Rob because uh, he's literally the only bright spot. It's like every, every, every <laughs> night after every game, I get to the end and I'm like, all right, like what should I write about? And I'm like, it's clearly Rob. He's <laughs> the only good player on the court right now.
2: <laughs> and so that probably ties into what we want to talk about with buyers and sellers. But one of my takeaways too from... The Rob conversation is there's no way that they're going to trade him. And then that means there's no way that they're going to get someone.
0: They've got no value in their other young guys at all. So like, I don't know how, what are you going to go get someone big for Tristan? Like
1: he doesn't have any value
0: on the trade market.
1: There was like a two-week stretch where Peyton Pritchard had, uh, had yeah. a lot of value, and we are past that now. We are,
0: we are definitely past that. Yeah, and like Romeo doesn't have any true value, like Neesmith, I, I don't know. Neesmith was another one who I actually found Ainge's comments kind of interesting about real quick. They pushed him on, essentially, Neesmith came in, played okay, provided some energy off the bench, and then we haven't seen him since. He's has not played, which is true. Ainge kind of danced around it, and they were like, but why? Like, why is he not playing? It seemed to me, this is reading way too much into it, but it seemed to me that like, if Ainge could have said it, he would have been like, I wish Aaron Neesmith was playing more. I think he gave us some good minutes and I wish Brad would play him more. That's kind of the way I took it. It is again, reading way too much into it. And I don't think that's what he was trying to say, but in my mind, I'm like, it sounds like Ainge wants Niesmith to get more playing time.
1: I kind of, I, I know what you're saying with like sort of the tone of it. I I, I definitely kind of heard that too. Ainge's, Ainge's point was, was pretty good that Niesmith can't bring the ball up and they yeah. want they want to take some of the playmaking pressure off of Jalen and Jason since that's yet another thing that they have to do for this team. So so that made sense to me. I also kind of wonder if – like the problem with Niesmith is just that he – like the thing that they kind of need him to do he can't do right now, which is make shots. Like yeah. if he was making three-pointers, if he was making spot-up three-pointers – he would be on the floor a lot more. And he's just like, he's just not. No. He's not reliable at all. He's also
0: not reliable on defense either.
1: Exactly. Like he tries real hard and, sure. and it's and it's very obvious that he's throwing his body around trying to do stuff. But at some point it's like, what
0: is how he- how much do you value reckless energy on the court? Like
1: exactly. Like and I mean, I don't think it's the reckless energy hasn't exactly like led to wins or anything like no, that. You know? No. Well, I did wonder a little bit, like I, I heard what you heard, Granum, but I also kind of wonder too if some of it wasn't just Danny being like, Look, we still think that Neesmith is gonna be good down the line, but like he's not good mm-hmm. right now. It's not like he's gonna come out and say Yeah, our rookie stinks, but (laughs) the last thing that Neesmith needs is to lose more confidence at this stage. So I could, I could certainly see Danny kind of wanting to see a little bit more of the guy that he drafted and the guy that he scouted at Vanderbilt. And, you know, I could definitely see that, but I do, I do think that there's probably some of it. That's just like, Danny understands why Brad isn't playing Aaron. And it's just like, he's not, maybe not that good a player right now, (laughs) you know, maybe he will be down the line, but right now is just not his time. And like, that's a hard thing to say on the radio.
2: Admitting that Neesmith isn't ready is like extremely like hot dog suit from I think you should leave. Do you guys know that meme? <laughs> yeah. Like maybe that is me reading. We're Twitter. all trying to
1: figure out like why our team doesn't have enough young talent right now. That what? has
0: been that has been the most used meme in Celtics Twitter for the last like couple of weeks, and it's very fitting. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything
1: Danny talked about the trade deadline a little bit mostly he kind of pushed it off to next week he said let's see what happens we're still a week before the trade deadline like I don't know about you guys I never thought the Celtics were really going to go after PJ Tucker he just didn't really feel like the target but one way or the other I think that's fair I think it's fair to kind of push that conversation to next week all that said the Celtics are in a really tough spot. At the deadline, should they be buyers or should they be sellers? Because if they're buyers, they need to commit to being buyers because this team just on its current path isn't good. So they need to kind of choose a lane. And I mean, there's tough conversations on both sides of that. Because if you're gonna be buyers, I don't know that this team is good enough to, you know, contend with whatever they bring in. And if you're gonna be sellers, you gotta commit to being sellers. So I, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys what do you guys think of that conversation right now?
2: I mean, the buyer's angle just doesn't make sense to me because not only is it the contention question, but it's also like, how are they going to acquire any of these players? Yes.
0: The value that they have in their young guys just isn't going to be able to get anything done. Say they they have an opportunity to go get Harrison Barnes, which I think is the most likely buy candidate. If they have the opportunity to go get Harrison Barnes, that could help beyond, a little bit beyond this year. So I see that as a suitable buy candidate outside of that I'm with Nicole I don't understand the buy option because no one is out there that is actually a realistic target with what you're what you can offer teams that's going to put you into contention like PJ Tucker for the Bucks that helps them that helps their closing lineup they can now play small like it makes a ton of sense there's not a situation out there where the Celtics can go grab someone, realistically grab someone, and hey, we're suddenly in contention in the Eastern Conference.
1: The problems with the Celtics are, are so widespread. You can talk about how the Celtics need depth. That's definitely true. But that's not the only problem going on here. There's a, there's a lot of stuff kind of going wrong.
2: They don't just need one player. They need like... Exactly. Yeah. Two to three, maybe four players.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about two to three to four more players. I'm thinking something like Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford. That might really help. (laughs) One of the guys that I think kind of illustrates how difficult the Celtics position is, is John Collins. So if you went and got John Collins, you would then have to pay him next season, which would mean that you are committing, you would have to commit enough assets to go get him. And then you would have to commit enough money to him that he would stick around next season which would mean that you are then locked in on Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and John Collins as sort of your core moving forward. Do you feel like that's a championship team? Because I don't, and I think that's one of the major problems here. So then you look down the road and you're like, okay, so John Collins is probably, maybe him or like Busevich are probably like the realistic good players because we're, we're excluding Bradley Beal here. So if you're a buyer, yeah, like Grenham said, then you go to Harrison Barnes and it's like, okay, so what are you trading for Harrison Barnes? Probably He's probably not going to be that cheap There's going to be a bunch of teams that want to go get a six foot eight guy who can create off the dribble a little bit and score from three. So you go get Harrison Barnes. Let's assume you can hang on to Marcus Smart. Is Marcus Smart, you know, Kemba Walker, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, a contending team? Not from what we've seen. Maybe something works there, but that's a lot of, you know, whatever you're going to trade for Harrison Barnes, that's really risky. Collins kind of exemplifies that, though, because he really does show you like whoever you go get not only needs to be like help you contend this year, like he kind of needs to help you contend in the future and just the guys who are available. I think the Celtics would be putting themselves in a tough financial position while still not being contenders.
0: Yeah. Also you talk about Collins, like then you have to try and probably move Kemba Walker down the road. And that's not an easy feat. And on Harrison Barnes, like I totally agree with you that he's not going to be as cheap as a lot of fans think he is like, Monty McNair is not just going to give Harrison Barnes away. He's been a very good player for them. And also, there's no one else on the market, and he knows that. So, like, he's not going to come cheap. And I'm 100% with you that these core groups, it doesn't bring you to the next level. It really doesn't. And that's what I keep coming back to, which the true brain of mine just wants this team to tank and go get a lottery pick and go get Cade Cunningham, but that's not going to happen. So, I I'm conflicted in how to approach this because I don't think they're going to be sellers because that's just not the way this team approaches. So I think they're going to make like a mid-level deal, but I don't think that's a useful move at all. I don't think that gets you anywhere. It's just a temporary fix. I don't know. For I don't I don't really know.
2: Because at this point, similar to what you were saying, Tom, like they almost have to think about next season. Yeah. And just how are they going to contend next season? Cause this season's kind of a wash at this point. Like obviously they're still going to try and they're still going to do what they can hold out whatever hope you want. So it's like, you have to think about, okay, what can we do next season that will actually contend? And like, what is, what is that answer? I don't really know. Like in terms of like a a long-term move, like, I think it's, Trading for Bradley Beal, and I know we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but they need to either get a high draft pick or trade for another good player.
0: It's so true. What other moves in the, I'm talking like the next year, what other moves are out there that could take them to the next level? Is I think the question we're asking, and Nicole's right, there's not a whole lot else out there other than the guy in Washington.
1: All right, so let's tease it out, right? If you're going to commit to being a buyer, I think Nicole's exactly right. Like you have to, and maybe this doesn't happen until after the season, but I think you have to commit to going and buying a superstar or at the very least, like a superstar adjacent guy. And Bradley Beal is that, that's the buyer move, right? And the seller move, if you have to commit to one or the other, selling doesn't work if you're just trading Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson or whatever it is. You can sell that, but you're not getting much for it. And you're certainly not getting what you need to become a contender. Before, I don't know, before people get mad at us. I mean, like, Daniel Tice is a good player. It's just that, like, he's not the player the Celtics need to contend right now, obviously, because here we are.
2: So what does selling look like to you then?
1: I don't know, because you can get super spicy with it. (laughs) You can get spicy with it, but they're not going to go the spicy
0: route. And like, yeah, and if they level. don't go the spicy route, like sure, they're going to trade Tristan Thompson to the Raptors for a second rounder and maybe Aaron Baines, if that's the best case scenario. Like there's no value in what they're, what they, what they might sell.
2: What are the levels of selling here? I wouldn't even consider trading Tristan Thompson selling. Cause that's just like,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you, like, so let's say you're, let's say you're really selling, right? Like, and this is not what the Celtics are going to do, obviously. And it's, it's not even like necessarily what I think they should do, but like, you go super seller mode. You have the pieces to go like really young. At some point, the 2018-19 season and all of the fallout from that really did like kind of poison the water here. That I mean, was a
0: trajectory changer for sure.
1: Was it 100%? Like Celtics were on this one really good trajectory, and that one, that one season, the the roots from that season, that the kind of the poisonous roots are still kind of branching out. I mean, you you legitimately could kickstart just kind of a, a new fresh look with the talent that's on the roster. I don't think the Celtics are going to do that. I don't think they necessarily should do that. But like when you talk about really selling, when you talk about really committing to buying or really committing to selling, there are some options.
0: No, I totally agree. But you know, what's going to happen is they're going to be firmly on that fence and they're going to make like two mid-level moves. And it's just, they're kind of going to sit where they are and Celtics fans are going to lose their mind I understand the frustration there because I do honestly think like if they end up making a big move in the offseason then it's fine then they sit tight but you have to have that at
1: least in the arsenal right like and, and I think the one thing they could try to do in terms of being like slight buyers maybe you try to go out and, and you get somebody who like isn't necessarily going to be like the best player in the world but like might kind of change your culture i'm thinking about somebody like jay crowder right where yeah. not him specifically but like a guy who's just like a tough dude um you know somebody who like marcus can kind of be like see i've been trying to tell you guys this maybe maybe your marcus smart and your jay crowder player can kind of inspire this team and light a little bit of a fire under them and maybe maybe having a veteran on the bench helps a little bit all of that stuff is possible i mean weird things can turn a team into a good team yeah.
2: What do you think Kemba's trade value is? It's crap. Get to? I think you'd
1: have to attach picks to him to get off his money. For and sure. His his contract stinks. And that's one of the things that's really tough about like you go trade for a Harrison Barnes. Like Harrison Barnes is going to require picks, I think. Mm. And if you and if you then need to get off Kemba Walker's money and you've traded a bunch of picks for Harrison Barnes, then you're going even further into like a pick deficit. And the young players that you have on the team aren't looking, like, super promising right now. I mean, that's <laughs> they're in such a tough
2: spot. So, what, Kemba has two years left, right, after the season? Carson Edwards has two years left. My point is just that they're going to have some turnover in two years. I don't know, maybe that is then when the window starts, and right now you just try and, like...
1: You can't do do whatever you
2: can to help.
1: I don't think you can reasonably do that because I mean, think about like in the, in the abstract. Sure. Maybe it makes sense to, to, to build that way. But then you think about like the concrete, like January 29, 2022, when the Celtics are taking and they've lost like their fourth game in a row. And this one was to like, like, like they, they lost another game to the Washington wizards and like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are, are like, you know, facing the media yet again after yet another frustrating loss. And it's like, it's been like a year and a half of this crap. I just don't think that you can, I don't think you can kick the can down the road that far without really kind of risking some things.
2: That's fair. Speaking of losses, I wanted to mention earlier that the Celtics have not done Danny any favors with his radio interviews because they have lost on the past one, two, three, (laughs) four, five Wednesdays. (laughs) (laughs) It's so
0: unfortunate for Danny.
2: (laughs) The Hawks. To the Hawks again, to the Kings, to the Spurs, and the 76ers. And they lost to the Jazz on a Tuesday, but that was all before the All-Star break. So it's just hilarious that they managed to lose, and then Danny has to go on the radio and just be like, I don't know,
1: guys. (laughs) So they lost to a bunch of mid-teams, and then they're like rival. (laughs) <laughs> like he had to immediately go on the radio. And just talk.
0: nightmare fuel for age to have to go on Boston sports radio after that. Just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, he starts getting questions about his high school girlfriend. <laughs>
2: like,
0: <laughs> Jesus,
1: Danny's sitting there with his non-alcoholic beverage. And it's just like, come on.
2: Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was funny, but yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. They're in like a tough spot. I would say if I had to make a guess as for this trade deadline, like they're going to stand pat.
1: I think what they're going to do is probably make a couple of, you know, kind of smaller moves to maybe like to kind of to just to kind of see if you put a couple of veterans, who you know, can play in the NBA on this team. Like, what does it look like? I think when you start talking about like, you have to be a buyer, you have to be a seller. Realistically, we're probably talking about the off season for that, right? Exactly. You don't have to be a buyer or seller at the trade deadline. Like you can finish out this season, be a little disappointing, and then go into the off season and try to start fresh. Like that's reasonable to me. I could see them. I mean, you know, Garrett Temple's name gets thrown around a lot. I I, kind of see him as like kind of that placeholder, somebody who will be in the rotation and and will kind of push some of these guys who shouldn't be in the rotation out a little bit. Something like that might make sense. And then maybe you can get a a better idea of what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum look like in the postseason i I, but i'm with nicole in kind of the larger point where i don't think they're gonna make like a major move i just don't see the point in it there is none unless unless you unless you're getting somebody with the tpe that you think you know is is really going to be an impact player
0: no i i totally agree that garrett temple archetype is like spot on in my opinion it's a vet who's on like a short-term deal who's making like five million bucks And they can come in and make him that short-term potential short-term fix, that little Band-Aid, that can then get you to finish off the season. Maybe it sparks the team. Like you said, you add a veteran or two into the rotation, and maybe it sparks something. If it doesn't, well, that's okay. You still kind of just, like, push through. You didn't act as a seller or, like, blow anything up. And then you go to the offseason and that's when you make the real buyer seller decision. Tom, like you said, that's when the time to decide about change comes into play.
1: Then you have to start making the really tough calls. Cause
0: yeah. you're not going to do it at the next trade deadline next year if things are fumbling again. Like that's just not, that's not the way teams operate. The this offseason, I think, is really when you're going to see the trajectory that this organization wants to go. There's no point in doing it right now.
1: Danger cart might get mad at us, but I think that that might be part of the argument in, in favor of waiting until the off season is mm-hmm. they haven't picked a direction yet. And you don't want to like like make a huge move if you haven't picked a direction yet. And and that right move isn't out there. Say they do
0: make it or say we're going in this direction. This is the move we're going to make. It's going to be a half-assed move because the market sucks and they don't want to do that. So that's just not a worthy investment. Agreed.
1: I, I Are we the most doomer podcast? I don't know if we are. There's a difference between Doomer
0: and realism, I think. The current state of this roster, like the way it's constructed and the outlook within the Eastern Conference, like it's not good. I don't think we're being Doomer when we're actually just kind of pointing out the realistic aspects of like the way this team's set up and the way they're not, they can't succeed in this Eastern Conference right now.
2: It was so telling last night because on one screen, you have the Celtics shitting the bed against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then you have... The Philadelphia 76ers and Milwaukee Bucks going toe-to-toe in this incredible, like, defensive matchup. Like, good luck.
0: 100%. 100%.
1: You have the, the 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 Bucks and the Sixers going at each other in this incredible matchup, and neither of them is the best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, exactly. Just
0: just brutal. Danny Age is watching that game while watching his team lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, knowing that tomorrow morning he has to go on Boston Sports Radio. Just a horrible, horrible Wednesday night.
1: And it's funny because, I mean, I always felt like kind of a homer back in like 2017-18. Like, is this team going to win like three championships in the next like seven years? There was just a lot of reason to buy in on that team. And I bought in like hard. I was like, this team is really good. And there's all these like talent on the bench. And then it all falling apart in 2018-19. And now I feel like I'm, I almost feel like I've overcorrected to the other side where I'm like, <laughs> everything is doomed. Everything is bad. So I'm like, I'm trying not to do that. But again, there's two stars in a bunch bunch of low bench guys i don't know man like it, it's it's tough
2: okay so obviously next they play the kings and the magic which is kind of funny because it's like potential trade partners what do you guys think is going to happen in the milwaukee games
1: see what see what i the, what i think is going to happen is they're going to panic win the next two games yeah. right they're just going to be like oh we better win this one and then they like, just like all this like they, they just do it and then like you know everybody's like oh the celtics have won two games in a row going into milwaukee And then they lose two games against Milwaukee because Milwaukee is just a much better basketball team. I think they just go two and two. They're just a Midland basketball team. I think they're going to continue to be a Midland basketball team.
0: The panic wins are so accurate. They're going to win the next two because the Kings and the Magic stink. They're going to need to do the old all-star break. These next two games will determine the rest of our season, whatever. And they're going to win them. And then they could easily split the Milwaukee back-to-back just because Milwaukee Milwaukee in the first half last night against Philly was terrible. So if – Milwaukee hits a lull in one of those games sure they could win but it's not going to mean anything this team's still not going to contend like it's, it's not really going to change the status of where this team's going.
1: I hope everybody has a much better weekend than the Celtics are going to have and uh, feel free to uh, get in touch yell at you know me Nicole or Grenham in the DMs if you think we're being too doomer or if you think we're being too positive because I know there's a lot of Celtics fans who actually feel worse about this team than we do so please feel free to reach out thank you to everybody for listening and we will talk to you all again soon.